Attention, this is your captain speaking. Please secure all loose objects and strap in for void entry. Hello, and welcome to episode 5 of Whispers from the Void. We're back. It's been over a year since our last episode, but we are getting underway once again. If you missed the earlier episodes, they are still online and available at the podcast website. I'm here tonight with Tom Veralt, better known in the Star Frontiers community by his handle, JediOn357. We'll be talking about several of his projects on this episode, but first a bit of community news. Issue 16 of the Star Frontiersman magazine is on the newsstands. If you haven't already grabbed a copy, jump on over to the StarFrontiersman.com website and pick it up today. Then you can join in the discussion of the issue on the Star Frontiers revival site, StarFrontiers.us. A link to the discussion thread will appear in the show notes. Tonight's guest is one of the primary authors in that issue. Now, on to the discussion with Tom. So, Tom, my uh, first question for everybody that we inter- that I talked to is, how did you get started in Star Frontiers? When did you start playing? I started playing back in the early 80s. I'm not really sure of the year, but uh, somehow I was I got my hands on the on the box, the pink box, and and uh, fell in love with the game instantly. So, how old were you? Uh, that must have, I must have been about 14 or 15. So you ended up with the pink box, the Alpha Dawn box. Yes, that's correct. Cool. And so you've been playing it the whole time since then? Take a break? No, I, um... took a break. Uh, yeah, I took, I took a break. I, I, well, I played D&D and Star Frontiers. I got lured away by, uh, some of the competing RPGs out there. Like what? And... Well, uh, Car Wars, for one. I, okay. I became a huge Car Wars fanatic. And um, and then alongside Car Wars, Starfleet Battles, I, I got real big into um, vehicle combat. Starfleet Battles was really cool. You fly in the Enterprise or Klingon ships and allocating power. And Car Wars was cool just for the, just the whole concept of arming your vehicle with machine guns and recoilless rifles and mine droppers. It just for some reason appealed to me, and and I remember back during that time, I think in the mid late '80s, hearing a news item that people were bringing weapons with them out on the highways of California and shooting at other drivers, going, "Car wars is gonna come!" And it's gonna. <laughs> I was all excited as a teenager. Uh, when what got you back into Star Frontiers? Well, um, actually, I had I had. Um, I had pretty much left role playing and um, lost or given away or thrown away or something or other with all of my RPG materials, and I had quite a collection. And I'd been going on with life, but uh, my brother was going to Iraq, and he had downloaded copies of all the D and D rule books he wanted to have on his laptop there in Iraq, just so that they could have a game going. Right. And I was looking for I went you know I was looking for something for him, and I wandered into a hobby store that catered to war gamers, and they had a, a, a decent size RPG section, and and uh, I got hooked into war gaming, and then you know kind of slid into the RPG again, and went looking on the web and discovered um, the Black Hand Gang Yahoo group. Right. That was a play-by-post game, and, and yeah, got follow, into that. I followed that game for a long time. Yeah, you know, I, I started out as a lurker for about a 
I don't know, about two or three weeks. And uh, then there was an announcement, any lurkers want to get in? And I jumped in and just had fun. And then I went looking, you know, through the web for Star Frontiers materials and ended up at uh, the fanzine and uh, the uh, .us uh, development site. Cool. Yeah, I predate that by a little bit. I've actually found the StarFrontiers.com and art site before Bill even created the .us site. So, but the same for me. I wandered off into other games, and then I never got rid of my stuff. I still have all of my role-playing stuff from when I was younger, but uh, uh, came back after a while, and uh, very similar. Although I never was never into the wargaming stuff. So you do a lot of miniatures. I do. I, I love painting miniatures. Um, I love collecting miniatures. Um, it's uh, we have a saying in the wargaming community that uh, they, they they call it your mountain of lead. <laughs> it grows yeah. bigger. It never gets painted. <laughs> it grows bigger. It never gets painted. Yeah, I might get painted. They just some of them take a while to get painted. I have projects that get put put aside, and uh, I've got a contract i'm painting some stuff for a buddy and um i'm painting stuff for myself and so whatever whatever i happen to be playing right now on the tabletop right is what gets painted out of my own collection but i i certainly have i don't have a tabletop you know um real world star frontiers game going so i'm not painting any star frontiers figures right now well there aren't too many star frontiers figures out there well, I found I found some really nice figures with plastic bubble masks. They're in spacesuits, but they they come. You paint the figure, and it's got a little plastic bubble mask that you put over the head oh, and glue cool. on. And I was and I bought them at a convention, and they're sitting in the drawer unpainted. They're part <laughs> of the mountain. Yeah, I've, I've been picking up a few of the old Star Frontiers miniatures off eBay. I've had the Sathar ships for forever. The little box set. And I managed to pick up the, uh, I think it's the Spacefarers characters box set and a couple of little blister packs of uh, frigates and assault scouts, both UPF and pirate. But that's the extent of my collection. Yeah, <laughs> I haven't, and I haven't painted any of them. <laughs> <laughs> you should prime them. Those are actually uh, a high leg content. Yeah, I know they are. I should. So uh, one of these days. I'll get around to it. <laughs> yeah, you have a mountain of lead. <laughs> yeah. mine's, mine's, no, mine's just a little molehill. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're you're already on your way. You're not painting. That's right. <laughs> That's right. My, my, my extent into painting miniatures has been, uh, I have the old game um, put out by, the, by, I guess, Milton Bradley. When they did Axis and Allies, they did two other ones. They did uh, Fortress America and one called Shogun. Right. And I remember those, but I never played them. They're, they're good. The Shogun one, they got, like, sued or something by whoever owned the rights to the Shogun movie. Um, <laughs> and so they had to rename it. It's called Samurai Swords, and that's the one I have. But I took all my little samurai guys, and all of their spear tips are silver, and that's my extent of uh, painting miniatures. There's a couple hundred little guys. I dipped all their spear tips in the silver model paint. <laughs> well, they... There's you have to you have to find those techniques yeah you know that where you can cheat by just dipping or uh, I've been I've I invested in uh, colored primer at the last convention I went to yeah and uh, I like it you know having uh, skin tone colored primer for right. mostly 
you know, like a, you know, nude Celt, Celtic warrior. Right. So you just have to do the primer and then add a little bit of highlight. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, he's just wearing a pair of pants. Well, you, you skin tone primer and yep. paint the pants. That's okay. right. Cool. Yeah, miniatures is something I never got really big into. I have a friend. In fact, the guy who was my game master when I was in high school, when I was playing uh, RuneQuest, is what I played. Um, he uh, he had the tabletop down in his basement, and he did things like uh, squad leader and the more military World War II type stuff. But he had this huge table, and he's just got shelves and shelves of. I think his were mostly plastic, more than the lead miniatures. But uh, he used to do that all the time. He had the rules for all the things, and he'd do. All these recreate all these battles on his tabletop in his basement. So, I've definitely seen the mountains of lead. Yeah, it's when you get into it, it becomes it it, it really becomes quite addictive. You go to a convention and you need to go with money. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> all I the like your, your are there. convention reports when you've gone to I think it was Historicon or something like that. Yeah, that's it's, that's the only convention I've gone to actually. Yeah, huh? a couple of years and, ago. Uh, uh, you come back with all the pictures of all the battles with the miniatures, and you you have all these great reports, <laughs> all these miniatures you were drooling over. <laughs> well, that's a lot of fun. Yeah. I, I bought a ton of dinosaurs this past time around. Oh, my kids would like that one. Yeah. So you're probably one of the most active people on the web, on the .us site these days. You seem to be involved in everything. So, where do you get all your inspiration from? For all well, your ideas? it you know it's um, I just look at things in the real world, and I and I sometimes I, I just I, I look at um, a movie, and I take the ideas from that movie, and I say, well, how would that work in the frontier? And right away, ideas start coming together. Um, you know, sometimes I just sit down and I'll read something that somebody else has written on the forums and I start asking questions about it. Well, why is that so? I mean, they'll state, they'll state a fact and I'll say, well, why is that fact so? And suddenly I start just creating, um, fluff and, and, uh, details and stuff just kinds of, kind of flows. I think it's, it, you know, it might be what some of my college professors you know, talked about with that uh, creative writing. I have to do it all the time, and then it just begins to flow. And and I, and I think maybe some of my my professors at college would have been uh, be proud <laughs> that I'm using these things that they actually taught us to do. And and uh, I never really really used them before, but some somehow I my brain remembered them and I just started using them all the time on the site. But I, I definitely like to write. It's it's been a it's been a long standing dream to actually write write gaming materials. Yeah. Well, I would say that um my 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 passion for I don't know if I'd say it was passion, but I would say that uh my writing for the Star Frontiersmen, the desire to do that actually predates the Star Frontiersmen. Yeah. And because uh, I remember uh, back in the 80s that I really, you know, all I really wanted to do was was to was to be a writer for the Dragon magazine. And um, I, I think I remember it was one of my uh, upward bound uh, counselors. Right. 
they wrote a little thing for Christmas or it was for our graduation, and it was like what they envisioned for us. And I think for for me, he put that I would be, uh, you know, that uh, I would become a, an editor of the Dragon Magazine or something <laughs> along those lines. And I was like, well, I don't know if I want to be an editor, but I definitely want to write because the whole idea was is, boy, I love gaming. And how cool would it be to be paid to game? Yeah. And that's kind of how I saw writing for Dragon Magazine. And so uh, when I eventually came back to the frontier after this, like, 29-year hiatus, uh, it, uh, well, it wasn't 29 years, but uh, pretty close to that. But, uh, I, you know, I found the, the web scene, and um, I found it, I think, at the time when there was a couple of transitions in the editorship. So that would have been around issue 9 and 10. Yeah, it was like Bill Logan had been editing, and I think you edited... I took over for a while, yeah. And then one or two. Yep, and then Larry took it back. And Larry took it back. And um, I remember thinking, because I was kind of a lurker, and and I'd go by the fanzine and see, is there a new issue out? And why aren't these guys putting out more issues? <laughs> and eventually, it just kind of clicked. Like, well, maybe I should help out and submit an article. <laughs> and uh, well, I guess I could do one. And next thing you know, I was like submitting all the time. Yeah, well, it's good because we need it. So uh, you know, in a way, it's uh, the Star Frontiersman's been the realization of a dream. I mean, I never did write for Dragon Magazine, and right. and then a few years ago, they they stopped printing magazine art issues. Yeah, it's, yeah. they kind of have a like an electronic mm. distribution of it, which doesn't feel the same. Yeah. But then again, ours is electronic distribution, but I just, I don't know, for some reason yeah. I like, this is where my heart is at. Yeah, I think a lot of us that are active on the site kind of all feel the same way. We all want to do this. We'd love to get paid to do it. <laughs> and we'd like to write about it. we like to design stuff. So, projects you're working on right now, your big ones. Well... Right now, the big one has been, uh, I don't know why this has has struck a chord with me. And, it, you know, and I, and I called Zebulon's guy the the uh, red-headed stepchild. stepchild. Yeah. <laughs> it is. Everybody, everybody likes to around, beat on it. <laughs> beats on this product. And <laughs> I forget who it was. It might have been Imperial Lord on the forums there. He referred to it as, like, when that uh, Zebulon's Guide was like when something dies and all the poo comes out. <laughs> and I laughed and I laughed. Because I, I like Zebulon's Guide, but uh, he really had a point. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, I've, I've uh, you know, I, there's, obviously, everybody, everybody bashes it. Right. And yet nobody actually deletes their copy of it, right. their PDF copy, or tears up and throws away their hard copy. I'm sitting right here on the desk in front of me. <laughs> now, I have a hard copy I printed from the PDF. Oh, I have an original printing. Sitting there. Yeah. That's actually the last, well, the, I just barely got myself a copy of the referee screen. But the Zebulon's Guide was the last piece of Star Frontiers that I got way back in the days when I was still collecting it. And I'd stop playing almost by the time I finally got my hands on it. Well, I've I've recollected everything yeah. <laughs> and, and collected the things I never had, 
except for Zebulon's Guide. I I had Zebulon's Guide uh, back in the day, but I've not recollected it because I just refused to pay fifty bucks on eBay. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. Maybe if somebody gives me a million dollars, I'll go fifty dollars. Ah, right. Yeah, my copy was actually given to me, so I didn't actually buy it. I'm sure my parents must have bought my copy for me. So, uh, but I, you know, I, I clearly remember Zebulon's guy from back in the day. But you know, I mean, everybody uses pieces of it. They'll, yeah. they'll use pieces of equipment. They'll use the the cadres and the and the cults. They'll use the uh, the megacorps. I mean, there's material from it that is used. Yeah, and um, so. I've I've kind of drifted into this project where I uh, it began with my timeline project where I wrote a major article for the the uh, webzine that'll be coming out here in the in December right and um, that'll be a big timeline project and it was just this idea of let's try to straighten out some of the problems and some of the objections let's deal with those and. And, and or rehab the product so that it's more usable and, and deal with some of the problems that were in it, some of the inconsistencies in the timeline. And um, but in dealing with the timeline, you you know, I, I had to start looking at some of the races and and I just kind of again drifted into this this big project of of uh, rehabbing the the Huma race. And uh, so right now there's a a lot of activity in the forums for. The Zebulon's Guide to the Huma, and it's uh, you know I've kind of conceived it as a big project, kind of a grand project with a big goal where we want to we want to rehab and relook at the whole character description and and fix that up and you know embellish it some more, put some more details to it, hang some more meat on it, then do a nice system brief and and details on the system, detail the names of cities and. You know, give some more meat there for game masters to sink their teeth into. And then the final phase of that project, the final uh, chapter of it, will be a, a series of uh, encounters that are similar to what you found in the uh, Warriors of White Light module from the Nighthawks box. Right, the where, little mini-adventures. Yeah, they were, they were quick little encounters that you could take one encounter and insert it into the middle of your of your campaign. Uh, you could use those encounters as a linked little campaign. They weren't really meant to be a campaign, but you could play all five of those encounters in that module as as part of a campaign. And um, so the uh, you know the idea there is to maybe create some station layover. You know, you're on a ship, it does a layover in that system, and here's what happens type of little thing. Uh, maybe the game master's just short on preparation. Maybe a player didn't show up and he just needs a quick encounter to, to fill time, you know, since there's, you know, somebody's missing or, or you know, just right. preparation is weak for him for that week. He's He's been ambushed by work and real-world issues. And, and so that's that's kind of the concept there, and, and maybe encourage people to take another look at the uh, the Zebulon's material and and incorporate it because I I think there's some some good material there. Yeah, I think a lot of the background material in Zebulon's guide is good. I think that's what everybody uses it for. I think that most of the objections you hear is actually has to do with the game mechanics they tried to introduce more than the than the background. 
everybody worries I want to I want to use I want to reintroduce the game mechanics and yeah um nobody ever really used those nobody ever ever left the Alpha Dawn game mechanic that uh, f- from what I can tell I know personally uh, myself and my group didn't and um, nobody today uses the Zebulon's game mechanic yeah there's one. There's one guy that posts all the time. I think his name's I think it's Troy Terrell on the StarFrontiers.org forums, and he's a diehard Zebulon's guy. That's what they use. Yeah. And there was a there was a there was a play by um, email game many years back uh, that ran using the Zeb's Guide mechanics, and uh, they they did the uh, Crash and Volturnus with uh, it. With it, and they got up through the Sathar artifact, and that's and then the game something happened. The game master couldn't keep going, and they they closed the game down. Oh, but, I'm aware of that game. Yeah, you probably you probably read all the the posts. I but, discovered that the site for that game in in one of my fishing expeditions looking right. for Star Frontiers, and I found it, and I was like, oh wow, this game's going on, and and so I sent him an email asking <laughs> to join the game, and he's like. Oh, dude, that game's been closed for, like, six years or seven yeah. years. And I was like, well, I found your site. And he's like, oh, wow, I hadn't been there. And, like, he hadn't been there since he closed the game. And that's funny. And, uh, yeah, because I was all excited to play Star Frontiers. And I was like, oh, oh, let me try to get into this game. Yeah, that's something that's kind of dead right now is all of our online games have died off. I think it goes in waves. Yeah. And, and I feel, I feel, um, you know, I'm feeling a little guilty because I was running one. Yeah, me too. And, uh, and I was just thinking today, I says, boy, I says, you really have got to get back to that because that kind of hurts your credibility for the future. To start up a game in the future, you know, people will look and say, oh, well, he never finished that one or, yeah. you know, yeah. So I've been feeling a little guilty that, uh, I need to, uh, get back, get that game back up and running. Yeah, I know. Me too. I feel the same way <laughs> with my game. I started to, and nobody posted except for Will, and uh, no, uh, Georgie did too. Um, but uh, Larry Moore and I are in agreement that uh, these games they have to have email notification. Yeah, it, it's really tough if it, if you don't have the email notification because you get busy with life and you forget, and next thing you know, it's been four weeks you haven't been by the game and. And then people are like, oh, well, you know, there's no activity here, and it just tapers off. But with, like, a Yahoo group game, like the Black Hand Gang, you know, the somebody posted something, there was an email notification feature. Right. And, uh, you know, I just, you know, all week long, I'd, oh, I'd, oh, somebody posted, I'd read their stuff, and, and I would, you know, I would write my move early. Right. In that game, and then I'd be, Sunday morning, I'd, I'd wake up early and I'd run to the computer and I wasn't waking up early because I was excited to go to church. I was waking up early because I was excited to get to the computer <laughs> and see what the game master had posted because it would it would be there Sunday morning, early in the morning. Right. And uh, so I'd be <laughs> I'd be trying to type up. I'd get all excited and try to type a post and get it posted before I went out to church. <laughs> uh, that's funny. Captain H was running that one, right? Captain uh, Hellraiser. Yeah, is he's, he in Australia? He's in Australia. Yeah, I got contacted by him a few months back. I, I picked up some copies, like pristine copies, 
of the uh, original rule sets. Oh, nice. And so, and I have some extra ones, and I put out a note saying, and I've got these. Uh, and of course, Larry wanted to buy them. <laughs> he responded first, although he's never given me the money, so I've still got them here at my house. Um, <laughs> but he, he actually responded as well. Uh, Will responded, and then he did. He's like, I don't know if you could get those to Australia, but I'd sure love to get a new copy of the, I think it was the Alpha Don rules. Um, but I already told him they were already spoken for. But uh, So he's, he, is a, he is around and aware of Star Frontier stuff going on. Well, I believe he's a professional mu- uh, musician. Ah. And in one of his posts where he explained the slowdown with the running the game, uh, he mentioned that uh, he'd been focusing on a novel he's writing. Uh-huh. And, um, I should be doing that, too. <laughs> yeah. There's like a million things we should be doing. I know. I have too many projects. <laughs> so, um, so he's he's had uh, some real world real world distractions that have distracted him, and and I and I used to be really kind of kind of a little bit put out, you know, that nothing was happening. But uh, and, after then you, I ran, and then you I ran tried to run a game, <laughs> and then I was like, well, all right, <laughs> it's harder. It's a lot of work. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot of work, but it's 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 fun work too. It it's, is. It is fun to do. Any other things you want to mention and let people know about? Well, I think we hit the two of the big ones, just the, the timeline project, um, you know, and, and that's just uh, the Zebulon's Guide to the to the Huma is, is more of a community-based project. The timeline project's my own little thing. Um, you know, because the, conver- the thing with that was that you know, I, st- I would start threads and I'd say, what can we do to fix the timeline? And everybody come back, oh, the timeline's crap. Yeah. Okay, well, I know it's crap. Let's, let's talk about fixing it. And, and I could never seem to get really any, any traction to get right. people moving in the direction. So in the end, I just wrote my own timeline. Um, that's, uh, you know, that's, that timeline, though, only takes you up to the first Sathar War. And I call that the Age of Colonization. Because somewhere in the timeline they refer to an age of adventure, and so the next installment will be the age of adventure, taking you from the first Sathar War, maybe up to right before the beginning of the second Sathar War, and uh, so that'll be a big one. And that was actually kind of I was daunted with that project because now you have to bring in the the rim, you know, right? The Capellan free merchants during this time period make contact with the frontier, and so that meant that I had to have timeline for the rim, right? And all of that age of colonization that I just did for the frontier kind of needs to be done for the rim, and there's no timeline material out there for I have to, I, so I have to create all of that for the right. rim, and then once the rim and the frontier meet, then we have a unified timeline moving forward. So that's that's kind of a big project, but uh, will set me straight a little bit and and, uh, and got me thinking to just do, you know, my next installment will just be the age of colonization for the rim, right? And you know, so that'll be a nice small, you know, chunk that I can bite off and manage to chew without dislocating my jaw. But other than other than getting the games going and and then of course assisting with the webzine and. And, uh, oh, 
one other project I had in mind was to uh, to root through all the modules, all the fanzines, um, root through the uh, Zeb's Guide, all the books, and and do a um, a project called um, Zebulon's Guide to Cadres and Cults in the Frontier and Rim. Yeah, that would be cool. And just put them all together in one document. It could be an article in the fanzine, or it could be just a downloadable PDF. And it just seems like that would be a handy little thing to have. You don't even need a hard copy on your desk, just having a PDF in your computer that you could open up when you're writing stuff. Right. Yeah, that would be a good resource. That might be handy to Game Masters. Yep. Well, very cool. And that concludes our interview with Tom Verall for this episode. It's now time for you to choose your own adventure segment. Since it's been a year, let's do a quick recap. For the full details, check out the Whispers from the Void forums on the Star Frontiers network at starfrontiers.info. The full URL will be in the show notes. You are Alex Tornholt, a young computer tech for the Cassadine Development Corporation, working in a research center in New Hope on Triad. Headed home from work, you received a call from your prankster sister saying she was in trouble. The connection went suddenly dead in the middle of the conversation. You race out of the monorail terminal and begin to run towards your apartment complex, which is normally a five-minute walk away. Along the way, you bump into a dralocyte who seems to start to follow you. Ignoring him, you arrive at the apartment building to see a Yazarian waiting by a delivery truck and witness a slow-speed collision between a ground car and a hover car at the building's parking exit. In the voting for the last episode, it was decided to ignore everything on the street and head straight up to your sister's apartment. And so, on with our story. Ignoring the commotion on the street and the drow that is following you, you race into the main entrance of the building. Seeing that all the elevators are on other floors and all higher than your sister's, you duck into the stairwell and begin racing up the stairs two at a time. You quickly reach the fourth floor where your sister's apartment is located but you are quite winded from the dash up the stairs and realize you need to get into better shape. As you come out of the stairwell, all is quiet on your sister's floor. You quickly move down the hall and around the corner. As you approach your apartment, something doesn't seem right. As you reach the door, you realize that the door is not closed tight, but is slightly ajar. Something on the floor is preventing it from closing. Looking down, you see a silk flower caught in the doorway. You recognize it as one of the flowers from the vase your sister kept on a table by the entrance. Opting for bold over cautious, you throw the door open to a scene of chaos. The room is a mess. There was obviously a struggle, and you see what looks like the dissolving remains of a tangler grenade sticking to the doorway going into the bedroom. Moving deeper into the apartment, you see that the struggle continued into the bedroom, or maybe originated there, as your sister's phone is sitting on the middle of the bed, beeping. Returning to the main room, you notice that all the books except one are missing from one of the bookshelves. They are scattered around the room as if they were used as projectiles. Curiously, you look at the book remaining and see it as one of your sister's xenothropology books, The Garden of Hence and the Gazerian Star Exodus. You wonder if there was any reason she left that one on the shelf. From your vantage point by the bookshelf, you can see into the kitchen area and notice that a piece of paper has been hung from one of the cabinets by a knife, which looks to be from the kitchen. You move over and see that it is a note addressed to you. Alex, if you want to see your sister alive, you'll do exactly as you're told. Go to your apartment and wait. We'll be calling you with instructions. 
don't involve the authorities or we'll be sending your sister back a piece at a time. It's not signed. You realize that whoever took your sister can't be far and maybe you could catch them leaving the building if you hurry. Do you A. Follow the instructions on the note and head to your room. B. Put in a call to the police and tell them about the incident. C. Go back downstairs to see if you can turn up any other clues or catch the kidnappers. D. Investigate your sister's room some more. As always, you can find the text of this adventure segment in the poll to cast your vote on the Whispers from the Void discussion forums on the Star Frontiers network. Just jump over to starfrontiers.info and head to the forums or follow the link in the show notes. That's it for this episode. I hope you enjoyed it, and we hope to be back next month. Void Jump Complete This podcast is produced by the Star Frontiers Network. Check us out on the web at starfrontiers.info.